Hello. Thanks for listening to our Fusion Sermon Podcast. Fusion is a worshiping community within Hardawike Ministries. We gather at 1030 a.m. in the Red Brick Church Building on the Hardawike campus on the corner of 160th and Lakewood in Holland, Michigan. We invite you to join us in person when you are able. To learn more about our Fusion community and Hardawike Ministries, please visit hardawike.com. Uh, we've been in a series talking about core practices of our faith. We're trying to act more like Jesus. Um, but oftentimes when we talk about spiritual practices and um, spiritual disciplines even, uh, I don't know about you, but kind of get into the 10-point checklist. Let's make sure we check these off and then God's happy with me and we're good. Well, if we look at the, the faith practices this way as Christians, we're going to miss out on actually joining in the journey with Jesus, of being found in, formed by, and following him. I've been saying this to our watershed community that actually through these practices, we're living in, with, and for Jesus, right? Our identity is being shaped by him. We're, we're joining in Christ's transformational work in our life. Like one of the gifts of Christ through the cross and his resurrection is to gift us new life each and every day. Like we get to stand in eternal life today and not just wait for it on a hill far, far away. Like we get to have God's kingdom break in in this moment and and things can be changed for us. Now we know it's not going to be completely changed until Christ returns, but man, we get to be a part of God's sanctifying. There's a big, you know, Christian term for you, but we get to join in that sanctifying work. We're completely pure in Christ, but man, we get, to, we get to participate in him making us more and more pure each and every day. And then finally, you know, as we live in relationship with Jesus, he transforms our hearts and our minds, and, and in turn, that love, as we're going to talk about today, flows through us to our neighbors. The practice we're talking about today, I don't know if you can call it a practice as much as just simply a call, and I'm going to say it this way, that we are called to biblical community. We are called by Christ throughout the whole of scriptures to not do this faith journey alone. The first and fundamental relationship we have is with God. And the next outflow of that relationship is to the church, not to our marriages, not to our families of origin, not to our friends. It's to actually the church. Jesus, when challenged, um, was, was hanging out and, and, and his mother and brothers didn't like some of what was going on. And so um, mom sends the brothers to go get Jesus. And he's like, oh, let, let me tell you who my brothers and brothers and sisters and everybody is. It's the people that I'm hanging around with. <gasps> like this is incredibly radical. But he goes, no, what I'm doing is I'm bringing all of humanity back into right relationship with God and with each other. We were created to be in this life with one another. So as we think about the church, as we think about biblical community this morning, I want you just to, it's, it's easy for us and it's easy in this world today to think about all the negatives that come with the church. I'm going to ask you to put that on the shelf, Okay. I want you to think about some of your best experiences, maybe one or two of your best experiences with the people of God in your life. Just pause one moment. Think about what have been some of your best experiences and why. I took some time this week to think through all of the churches that I've been blessed, local communities I've been able to be a part of in my life and 
man, that would be a sermon in itself, just to share the experiences of God's goodness through God's people um, from birth till now. You know, I'm in my mid-40s, so we'd be here a little while. I can actually say that. Like, when I was, so I first started my Heart Awake journey in 2004. And so that's, that's where I actually decided, let me think about Heart Awake. Let me, let me think about and reflect on 20 years. For some of you, you're like, that's not a long time. Others of you, you're like, wow, 20 years. And yet, my journey with Heart Awake goes back 20 years. And it goes to nine years at two separate times, so four years and now five years where I've been able to serve in some kind of pastoral capacity. But it also included my wife's 10 years when she jumped on at the end of my first time and then ended around 2017, and now she's back. So we have 17 years of life, like think about this, where you have been a part of making sure there was a roof over my head. You guys are awesome. <laughs> Food on my table. No joke. Like, I mean that this morning. When I think about Hardwick, I don't think, yes, we have three communities. I think about Hardwick. I was challenged a long time ago when I first got here by a wise person. I'll leave him. I'll let him be. He knows who he is. <laughs> he said, Aaron, don't get stuck on, the side of, on that side of the parking lot. And that challenge remained true to this day of going, we're hard awake, we're one community, we're one body of believers. Yeah, we're smaller communities that make us up, but we're one church. And in some ways, we resemble the broader church, a lot of local communities, but we are part of one church. I got to learn some more of what that meant through my life here at Hardaway. I think about the first four years when I was going through seminary and you really were putting up with me. I mean, now you got to put up with me a little bit, and my humor, it hasn't changed much. So, you know, I have a tendency to stick my size 15 in my mouth, and some people don't always get my humor. I'm a little sarcastic. I'm a little one-liner. I will go from there. But you've put up with me. You know, what's awesome is Nate and I were even just talking before worship. Now, both of my kids were baptized in watershed as part of Hardaway Community. I got to participate in both of those baptisms. And this week, I actually got to talk with both of my kids about making their profession of faith. And they're gonna spend some time talking with Nate. And, and I think about not only the other Maplewood that was 10 years of my life and, and part of the role they played in raising my children, but I think to have the privilege to be back here and to go from my children being baptized into a community of faith and being loved and being accepted now to wanting to be a part of this covenant community, this biblical community. It's a privilege. The gift that you give me to let me into your life, JB, Bill, to speak God's truth, even though we're fallible human beings doing the best we can, you give us space every week in phone calls and time to speak into your hearts to your minds, to come alongside of you. When I think about biblical community, brothers and sisters, that's what you are. 
It's a privilege to be a part of this. And there's a witness that God has given through the church that we're gonna really focus in on this morning. And it's identifying and understanding what, is, what do we mean by biblical, right? It's an adjective because there's, there's, there's all kinds of communities that, that hold to certain things, do different things. But today, what does it mean to be a biblical community? I think it's found in two verses. So what I'm gonna ask you to do is stand And instead of hearing God's word, I want you to read God's word with me. And I realize I'm really tall, so I should probably stand off to the side. But uh, let's read John 13. This is Christ's words after he he has anointed his disciples' feet by washing them. And as he's getting ready to give his life through the cross, here's what he says to his disciples and to us. Let's read this together. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Three times two verses. You think Jesus is making a point. Simple point this morning. Biblical community is marked by love. We love in 1 John because he first loved us. Jesus says, a new command I give to you. This is the thing that you're going to anchor your life in. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must also love one another. Oh, and by the way, one of our greatest witnesses in the world, everyone will know. And what do we want to see here at Hardaway? Everyone joining in the journey. So if you want everybody to know what a biblical community, what my church looks like, it's this. Love one another. But herein lies another definition I think that's important for us. We're talking about biblical. Biblical, I'm going to bring it down to the word love. But now we got to define love, don't we? Paul understood this as he was talking to the Corinthian church. Uh, Corinth is, uh, just think modern day U.S., like it really is, uh, marked by all kinds of different gods. Um, we worship all kinds of different things, including ourselves. Um, there's pressures from the outside. There's political powers. There's unrest. And yet this new church that doesn't, isn't particularly Jewish, so it doesn't have strong roots, this new church is trying to understand what it means to follow Jesus. It was founded by Silas and Timothy. These were followers, Paul, Paul's disciples, right? He was mentoring them. But Paul often stayed in relationship with the church, and he found out in Corinth that the Corinthian church wasn't really living into Jesus' command to love one another. All we got to do is go to 1 Corinthians 10 and 11. Today, we're having communion. Well, the communion table was, was, was there, celebrated in, with the people. But what was going on that Paul saw and had heard about was that those who were rich, who didn't have to work all day, who were providing room for the church to gather together as a community, they were gorging themselves out on the table. Those who had all of the resources, had all of the abilities, man, they were, they were down in all the food. So that the common person who had to go to work every day by the time they, they showed up for the meeting, right? By the time they show up on Wednesday night, community night, all the food was gone. And Paul's going, wait, there's an inequity here. Something's not right. That's not how it should be at Christ's table. The haves and the have-nots. 
and it only gets worse. You know, they also then um, played favorites. Certain people who had certain gifts, oh, they got prized. They were the important ones. Ooh, it's kind of like that. Ooh, you're the pastor. Don't do that, please. (laughs) Oh, but you know what? You clean toilets. Thank you. Paul's going, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. Right, like Jesus got down on his knees when he said this. He washed their stinky, gross, dirty, mud, sandy, nasty feet. You want me to, should we, should we untie your shoes and take them off today? <laughs> right, that's what he, he got down and he said, this is what it means to love one another. Paul says, but you guys, are, you guys are playing favorites. And then he does this thing, 1 Corinthians 13. He goes, I'm going to tell you the most excellent way. How many of you heard 1 Corinthians 13 before? How many of you have heard it at a wedding? <laughs> right, that becomes the primary place that we often hear these words about love. And yet that isn't the primary place Paul writes these words to. He writes them first to the church because he knows this is that primary tangible relationship here on earth. And out of this relationship, we learn how to better love our spouse, love our friends, love our coworkers, love our employers or our employees, love our neighbors. And Paul, because he knows Aaron, I'd like to think Paul knows me. He goes, Aaron, you're kind of fickle. You're sort of like the Israelites in the Old Testament where we go, man, God was a cloud of fire at night. He was a, this, this cloud that you could see it. He was leading it. How could you miss that? Anybody else a little dense sometimes? Paul goes, you know what? I'm not going to leave the definition of love up in the air for you to think about. I'm going to tell you what love actually means. That love isn't an affection. Love actually isn't an emotion. Love isn't even your best idea and effort. Love is a verb put in practice in a way that looks like Jesus. He starts by saying this, love is patient. Great, start with this one, right? How many of you, you know, like, Lord, I need patience, and then you get a new situation where you have to be patient instead of, like, magically receiving the gift of patience, right? (laughs) Paul will say in another point in time, bear with one another. Means that the community of faith actually has to put up with each other. Like, the the place he starts with, and by the way, all of these definitions that he's going to talk about, these actions, these verbs, uh, encompass the 59 one another's that exist in the scriptures in the over 100 passages that you would read. So he boils it down to 16. Thank you, Paul. But he starts with patience. He starts by saying, folks, you're going to have to put up with each other. You don't get to pick who you get to be in community with. I may pick who I'm married to. Yep, Kendra and I picked each other. I'm still amazed she picked me. But pick me nonetheless. I was called here. 
right? The church invites us into a life where we learn to be patient with one another and actually where we learn to be kind. And these two words will go hand in hand in just a moment. But think about kindness. Think about just being good to one another, right? What's, what's our, our, our culture that doesn't even know God? There, there's a, a large segment that's saying, can we just be kind? Like one of, the, one of the hopeful things I see in the world around us is God's kingdom breaking in and average ordinary people saying, can we just freaking be kind to each other? They may not know where that comes from or why that is, but I'm gonna tell you this, it's from the heart of Jesus. Because kindness also defined as grace. It's an unearned, unmerited favor and acceptance. That the church, the community of believers, a biblical community is one where we say, hey, no strings attached. We have to love you no matter what. And I've got to actually put up with you in in that. And you've got to actually put up with me in that. How do you like that? Paul will actually link both of these terms together in Romans 2 when he says this, don't judge one another. For the measure in which you judge another, it will be measured against you. Have you not remembered the kindness and the forbearance and the patience of God? For it is God's kindness that leads us to what? Repentance. Grace always leads the way. Hate never does. Paul will go on to say that love doesn't envy. I'm going to put it this way, that love In the biblical community, I celebrate with your celebrations. And I don't think they belong to me. And I don't think that they have to. You see, there's jealousy and envy. Jealousy says, I want what you have. Envy says, I want what you have and you can't have it because I can't have it. Anybody see that in our world? But see, the church goes, no, 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 that's not true. You know what? I'm going to celebrate God's blessings in your life because you have, you have an abundance of them, and you have an abundance of them, and I have abundance of them. And you know what? When we belong to one another because we belong to Christ, your celebrations are mine, and mine are yours. And you know what? When we live open-handedly and kind towards one another and gracious towards one another, wow, I might actually be blessed by your celebrations and your blessing, and you might be blessed by mine. Right? The piggy toe on the foot might actually matter even though you have size 15 feet. (laughs) Love doesn't envy. Paul will say these next two, and I think they go hand in hand. We don't boast in the biblical community, and we're not proud. We're not all puffed up and arrogant. Paul says, be careful so that you don't become conceited. That you think more highly of yourself than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment in light of the grace you've been given. It's a me thing with pride and boast instead of a we thing. Another way we might look at pride and boasting is self-righteousness. We see that sometimes. Look at how good I'm doing. And yet Paul says, not in the church. We're about serving, not being served. He goes on to say this, that the church, in the church, in biblical community, love doesn't dishonor one another. 
We don't strip dignity away from one another because we are the people who believe we were created in the image of God. And so we look at each other and we see the image of God in one another. And not only that, we, we go, listen, I can't dishonor you. I'm going to actually honor you because I see that you are, a, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I see that you're a, a loved creation of God, so you matter and are of importance and value. And the biblical community says, no, we don't tear each other down. We build one another up. That's why Paul says, don't slander each other. It's to drag somebody's name really through the mud. He says, be careful so you don't bite and devour one another. And in turn, the community of God isn't self-seeking. Right? It's not a me agenda, my agenda. It's God's. And then it's we. But there's no place in the biblical community when we act as individuals alone. We are individuals, yes. But if our agenda is the place where things lie, if our agenda is the way, then man, we are going to divide, we are going to pull apart, we are going to break up God's body. I want to offer a little word from Pastor J.B., because even though he wasn't here, this is the beauty of our pastor team. We're all studying together. And, and he, he found this quote from, uh, from uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes a beautiful little book called Life Together. If you ever get a chance to read on biblical community, he writes both before and during World War II before he actually loses his life. But listen to this. He says, those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community. Right? Sometimes our idea of it, that's what we're fighting for other than the, more than the community itself. Those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community. Even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. Sometimes our agendas show up with the best intentions. <laughs> and yet it's still mine. It's still me. Not we serving the Lord. Love isn't self-seeking. It's also not easily angered. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> this is like one of those primary emotions for me when the world's not going right and things are not under my control. Anybody else? You know, a little angry? <laughs> But all throughout scripture, we're reminded, hey, anger is, it's, it's a real emotion. But Paul will caution us in Ephesians, be careful with what you do with it, right? Going to sleep in that anger sometimes allows anger to sit there and fester. Don't be so easily angered. This goes back to patience, right? I, I'm going I'm to put it this way. With one, sometimes we're surprised by the world, which I would say don't be surprised by the world and how it acts. If they don't know Jesus and they don't ascribe to God's word, don't be surprised. Like, why are we so surprised? Um, and by the way, church, why are you so surprised when we screw up? None of us have arrived yet, have we? I, I'm not standing in glory yet. I mean, eternal life. 
I am new in Jesus, but man, I'm going to live my life in reliance of his newness. I'm going to be living my life in reliance of his purity, his, his righteousness. I'm only ever dependent on that, and I'm hoping to change. <laughs> Why do we get so surprised in the church when we screw up and offend each other? goes back. Sometimes it's our own self-righteousness. Paul says, watch it. Don't be surprised. Don't grumble, James will say in James 5. Don't grumble against each other. I'm like, oh man, why'd you got to throw that in? Like, okay, fine. Don't be aggressively angry. I can do that. <laughs> but <laughs> that, eh, maybe not the best. Paul continues, he says, love keeps no record of wrongs. Why? Because we are a community that forgives. We know we need forgiveness. Jesus says, be reconciled to one another. In fact, if you know you come to the altar to lay your gift down and you know that your brother or sister has something against you, go and be made right with them and then come back. But forgive. Remember he says, love as I have loved you. What has God done for us? He's forgiven us. So we are a community that is marked by forgiveness and forgives over and over again. Marked by reconciliation. We don't keep a record of wrongs because God has said, listen, as far as the east is from the west, so I've removed your sins from you. What would it look like if we lived in that way? Paul then goes on to say, love doesn't delight in evil. Love rejoices with the truth. And a biblical community says, hey, listen, we're not afraid of understanding sin. We don't live with sin in our cupboards. You know, we, we're, let's just hide it up in the cupboards where nobody can reach. Trust me, I can reach a lot of cupboards, okay? We're not ones that have to bury it underneath the rug, throw it in the corner closet or in that creepy, dingy basement that you have that nobody ever wants to go down to. No, the biblical community, we actually get to confess our sins to one another. We actually get to own up to the fact that there is evil in the world. Satan has brought brokenness into our lives. Adam and Eve's sin did infect all of creation, including us, and we prove it each and every day. And so we come to one another and we go, you know what? We can talk about our failings. We can talk about things that don't honor God. Why? Because we rejoice in truth, because we know God's truth leads to flourishing, leads to his kingdom. And so we teach each other, we admonish one another. We sing to each other with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, the scriptures say. Because we both want to encourage one another towards love and good deeds. And also be the physical grace, mercy, and forgiveness that each of us needs. To hear someone say you're forgiven and not just wait to hear Jesus say it one day. I mean, that's a powerful thing, amen? You're forgiven. God still loves you. He hasn't given up on you. Love always protects. Protection in the biblical capacity is everything from caring for one another, praying for one another, supporting one another, 
sacrificing so that others can have something they don't have. It's to say, I've got your back so that when nobody's looking, when you're not looking, no cheap shots are going to be had on my watch. Nobody's going to take you down without you looking. For the ones coming in the front, I'm going to join. I'm going to stand side by side. You know what? And at times, I'm going to step out in front and go, you got to go through me if you want to go to them. I don't know about you. I want to be a part of a community that's not only got my back, but is willing to fight battles for me and alongside of me. It protects, supports, cares for. Paul will say this. He says, not only does it always protect it always, I think I lost my clip, clicker here. Oh, there we go. Trusts, <laughs> and it always hopes. And I'm going to put these two together because I think I'll, I'll, I'll summarize it as this. That a biblical community, a community that loves one another, believes the best in one another. Hopes the best in one another believes more in our potential and possibility than maybe even we can believe ourselves. Because that's what Jesus has done for us. He came into the world knowing we'd let him down and yet gave his life anyways, all to give us possibility and life. I don't know about you, but to be a part of a community that says, I believe the best in you even when you don't. I believe the best in you even when you fail. I believe the best in you and what's possible for you and what you in a future that you can't even see right now because I know the God who changes and transforms life. I don't know what that life necessarily looks like, but I know you're in God's hands and I know he won't fail you. So guess what? I'm gonna always trust. I'm gonna always hope. I'm gonna keep coming back because I forgive. So I'm gonna give you another chance and another chance and another chance. This is hard, amen? It's hard. But man, when we're empowered by God in his love, it's possible. And Paul ends by saying, you know, love always perseveres. Love never fails. When I think about this, I think about the word covenant. We talk about membership here at Heart Awake as a covenant community. We're covenanting together. Why? Because that is the best word to resemble God's relationship to us. It's a never giving up, never failing, always having your back kind of love. It's some of what we hear in our vows in marriage, right? Through thick and thin, through the good times, through the bad, through sickness and in health. Love doesn't fail. It endures. I'm in it for the long run with you. You've been in the, you as a Hardaway community have been in it for a long run <laughs> with me. But by the grace of God, we hope, we trust, and we believe we can persevere. Brothers and sisters, we're called to biblical community. And here's one of the most beautiful things. Jesus, who calls us, who commands us, love one another. As I have loved you, love one another and by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He will empower us to do what he calls us to do. 
Scripture teaches us wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit, not just me. We. And the Holy Spirit is the presence and the power of the living God. And if God says, I call you to love, what do you think he's going to do for us? He's going to help us live into it. It, But it's not my strength. Today we're coming to communion. Communion reminds me of the every time we take of the bread and we take of the juice and we go, man, this is God's body. This is Christ's body, his blood. I need his nourishment. I need his help to live the way the world is through his eyes. I need him. God says, yep, and I got your back. Because love in the world is doing something that I've already done. And I've got your back. Final thing that I just want to make mention of is that everyone, and everyone will know. You know, I think a lot of times we talk about evangelism, right? How many you've heard that term, sharing the gospel. And we think about maybe street evangelism. We think about that one-on-one. I'm going to go through the Roman road of salvation with somebody, and we're going to get a decision, right? Well, let me share with you one actual, like, evangelism thing that isn't that. Everything we just talked about. (laughs) Are you like that? That when we live in community together, We have a built-in evangelism, sharing the good news, witness of God's goodness to us. Because the world is watching, isn't it? Can't tell me the world didn't watch it. The world is watching, and the world is desperate for brothers and sisters in faith to be brothers and sisters in faith. The world is desperate to see us endure with one another, to forgive one another, to be patient with one another, to not let the, our differences divide us. The world is desperate to see a people who love sacrificially and isn't all concerned about what I'm attracted to. The world is desperate for us to commit to the long game in each other's lives, not a quick fix. And the world will know when we love one another. This is why it's important. Our witness hangs on our ability to do life together. Honestly, with fallibility, but by the grace of Jesus. Loving each other the best we can. Working at it with the energy we have. And trusting that God who has been faithful will continue to be faithful and will carry us forward. That's what we're going to get to be reminded of in communion. Jesus has never left us. He's never forsaken us. He never will. And he who has forgiven us will empower us because he sends his spirit daily to renew us, cleanse us, and lead us. And the table that we're learning to live into, a table where there is unity, where there is grace in life that we will experience one day, we're going to start to see here on earth as it is in heaven. By his grace. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. I know Paul... 
gave us a lot of words, Jesus, and you gave us one, love. <laughs> love one another. But Lord, sometimes we got to be reminded of maybe what we take for granted. The depths to which love, your love, Christian love really goes. This isn't easy. We need your help. Now the good news is, Lord, you've already forgiven us. You walk with us. You empower us. And you will make everything right one day as well. And in the midst of it, Lord, even though we experience brokenness, by your grace, we also will experience some of the beauty and purity of what is your kingdom that is here, even though it's not yet. Jesus, as we come around this table, work in our hearts and our minds. Holy Spirit, help us to see again your grace, your unearned, unmerited love that has brought us freedom. We are fully justified, fully sanctified in you. And at your table, nourish us as we continue to get used to what it means to be made right by you and to be righteous before you. Lord, we need you and we thank you for your love in Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Thank you for listening. To learn how to get involved in our Fusion community or how to support Heart Awake Ministries, please visit us at heartawake.com.